Unfortunately, I have enough gas. Um, hi, everybody. As you join the webinar, just let us know where you're from and if the sound's okay. Um, as you may notice, I am broadcasting from my car because at 8.35 this morning, my internet went out. Um, so we always strive to make sure these webinars happen. <laughs> the show must go on. The show must go on in spite of, in spite of all of the behind the scenes that people don't know about. Um, so we'll give everybody a chance to uh, just sign in. Let me know if this sounds okay, folks. And um, I have your PowerPoint queued up there, Dennis. So we I, can, I can hear you. You can hear me? Okay, great. Marion, I love the new sign up. Yay, thank you, Marion. So, so um, let me just tell you guys, with the new sign up, the way it's gonna work now is I can just put up webinars and you can go and sign up anytime. You don't have to wait for me to send out an email. I literally spend five hours every Sunday creating the emails for these webinars for the past six months. And so I'd really like to spend my Sunday in my garden and not spending five hours setting up the emails. So um, I'm gonna just be able to now just put them up on a regular basis. We'll, we will send out an email, let you know there's new stuff up there, but you can just check in anytime and sign up for whatever webinars you like. Um, and, and also you won't get spammed by me because that was the other problem is that if I did add you to my mailing list from Zoom instead of through my store, then you might report me as spamming you. So we're just trying to get everything above board, especially in Europe, that's a problem. Um, and you spent five hours signing up. <laughs> Okay, but once you're signed up, it should work really well. <laughs> well, we'll all get this together here pretty soon. All right, so I'm just going to pause for a second and then do the intro and we'll get going. Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars during the pandemic to entertain myself, meet new friends, or connect with old ones that I haven't been able to see for a long time and learn something. And I've brought you along on this journey, which has just been the most fascinating thing because I had no idea I would be closing in on my 100th webinar. That's going to be on Wednesday with Linda Tellington-Jones, um, my special guest. I've known her since 1985. So we'll probably take a little trip down memory lane and have a really good yak. Um, the new sign up, just you just go to the web shop anytime. If there's a webinar there, just sign up for it. I'll keep posting up new webinars on the on the um, web shop so that you can join anytime and don't have to wait for me to send you out an email. Today my guest is Dennis Verden and he's in Switzerland, which is why we're broadcasting at nine o'clock in the morning in the US on the East Coast. Um, so I know- Sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay, we can still see it's sunny out there. Um, so thank you, Dennis. Your, your webinar was so popular the last time that um, people just love the information. And so I'm really glad that you can come back and join us again. Um, for those who weren't on that webinar, Dennis, can you just give us a little, um, you know, a little bit of your background, how you got where, you, where you're doing what you're doing, and just, uh, you know, like two sentences about what we talked about in the other webinar so that people can go back and watch that one, and then we'll get on with today's topic. Okay. Um, background. A bit about myself, I'm a farrier. I'm coming up for my 30th year. Um, I started off life. In uh, uh, I started off my farriery life in the British Army. Um, left the army. I've worked in Germany. I've pretty much worked on every continent other than Antarctica, um, purely because there's no horses there. Um, 
yeah, where do you start and keep it in one, two sentences? Um, I can't do anything in two sentences. I'm now in Switzerland. Majority of the focus of the work that I do here is working with vets, rehab work, and sort of basically trying to get lame horses sound. Um, we're being plagued, I have to say, by a swarm of wasps in the house today. I can't get rid of them. So if you see me doing this, it's not You're because not I'm sending some that, kind of strange yes. sign language. <laughs> Um, the last video was, you know, what should you look for in a well-shod horse? So you know whether, you, or you have a better idea of whether your farrier is doing things the right way or the wrong way, how you can maybe check whether you are happy. A lot of people kind of say, I know it's not right, but I just don't know why. And it was trying to fill some of those gaps to give a better understanding of how your horse should move was the main focus, how it should land. Ideally, horses should land flat, take off as flat as possible. Um, and what my personal opinion is what they do in the air, as long as they're not hitting themselves, is kind of irrelevant. Um, I see a lot of horses with mediolateral imbalance, so one side of the foot longer than the other, um, because for whatever reason, and I can't get my head around why a lot of farriers at the moment, have, they're purely focused on trying to make every horse straight. And if they're not straight, they shouldn't be shod straight because doing so is causing, in some cases, irreparable damage. Um, you know, so we lost it. I had um, Nick Barker from the UK on a webinar. And yeah. She, uh, it was really great because she did slow motion video of the hoof and movement. She had the camera yeah. set up which is a lot, a lot uh, fit very well with your talk. And she also was talking about how you, you don't try to make the foot something that it isn't, that you really yeah. have to look at what it is and support that. So that was- If they're landing, if they're landing flat, you've probably got a 90% chance that everything is okay. Because uh, they can't land flat unless everything above it is also balanced. Now balance doesn't mean straight. I had a on one of the farrier pages over the weekend. Somebody mentioned how you know cannot how can I shoe this leg? And it was a crooked X-ray. How can I shoe this leg balanced? And I said, Do you mean straight or do you mean balanced? Because from the X-rays you've posted, it's actually quite balanced. All the joint spaces are where they should be to present a balanced limb. And he went, No, I mean straight. I said, We well, should have said straight because straight isn't balanced. Right. At that point, I kind of lost my. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh. I know. But you know, I, I had that experience with a rider once as I set a rider up straight and she couldn't ride. And yeah. so it was a really important lesson for me that you have to find, you, you know, you have guidelines and you know where you, you want everything to be, but then you have to listen to the rider or the horse and yeah. you have to watch and see how they're going to move to make sure that your idea of what they should be isn't forcing them into something they're not. My, my left foot took a, quite a severe damage. My knees, I'm on my eighth knee operation. I can't actually walk in a straight line unless I physically think about walking in a straight line. I veer to the left naturally. So I fully understand, you know, it's not just the way we're born. It's what happens to us from day one that can change everything. And you, you, we adapt. When, it, when my hip hurts, I know it's time to go to the Cairo. Unfortunately, a lot of the horses don't have the ability to say, hey, I need the Cairo. It's, it's down to the owners to know. One of the things that will maybe 
show people that the horse isn't right is that they normally land flat, but they suddenly aren't. And the farrier was three, four weeks ago. That's a good indicator that something's not wrong. And they're, avoid, they're trying to avoid potentially pain. So, um, but that, you know, that, that it, I think it was two hours. I think I broke the record. Last time. Last webinar, you broke the record. It was almost two and a yeah. half. Okay. So there was a lot we discovered we discussed last time that wasn't necessarily to do with the topic. And I think at the end of this, we can have a twenty-minute answer, you know, question and answer session. And I'll answer anything. If I don't know the answer, I'll tell you. Um, but today, I just want to. Well, you, do you want to introduce the today's topic or? Well, no, you. I'm just gonna. I'm just the AV person. Okay. So. Okay. I'm going to hit the screen share here. Let me just, uh, let me just, I have to shuffle things around because I had a few more people that were joining the webinar. Got that done. Okay. Screen share. Do, do, do. Share. Ah. Up here and let me just get it. Uh, it's always fun to figure out where start is. Play from start. There we go. We're up. Okay. So if we move on to the first one. Okay. I thought I'd just have a play play on words here. So the frog in the digital cushion, you're going to say what the topic is, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> some people listen to these webinars when they're driving, so it's always good to like say the words. Yeah. Well, the, the, oh. if the, if you're driving, you maybe won't get to see this visual. Um, no, but, but they can go do... back later. You know, it's uh, we're actually going to take a lot of the audios and turn them into podcasts for people because there's yeah. a lot of information they can just from, from listening. I'll be honest, I've been listening to quite a few of them in the forge while I'm making shoes or knives on loudspeaker and not, and if there's parts where I think I've got to see what exactly they're talking about, I'll stop and go and look at my phone. Um, but the majority, I kind of listen to them as podcasts. But yeah, as we can see, we've got a frog on the left and we've got something digital sat on a cushion. Um, <laughs> All right. I was in a funny mood yesterday afternoon, so we created this visual. Um, uh, but just if we move on to the next one, you can have an iPad. Oh, no, I've gone on two. Um, this really does. It, it, it's true now, but it will make more sense in half an hour. Read your slide. The horse has five hearts, and without all four, it will not carry you into battle. Would not. And that was this, all five. <laughs> and that was this little man called Genghis Khan who wrote that down. Oh, wow. Um, he, he said that, that the horses have five hearts? Yeah. This, this is how far back in history they had, in some cases, a better understanding of what we did 50 years ago. Uh, and that's well documented that he made that statement. It's one I've used a couple of times because it does make you really, really think. You know, a thousand years ago, they knew what the frog, not necessarily the digital cushion, but they certainly knew that that whole package in the rear portion of the foot was extremely extremely important um and i just thought yeah that's that's certainly something i'm going to put in today um if we that's just move on to the next one we all have tattooed on our forehead <laughs> yep yep okay all right let me just check oh yes uh next slide oh so what I, what i'd just like to say at this point with with what we were just talking about um, more the airing towards the podcast. I've put the, the images up, but I've not put lots and lots and lots of writing up. P part of it, I'll be honest, it's my busiest time of the year. I managed to pull a bicep muscle last week 
So I've got a colleague over from the UK helping me out and everything's taken a little bit longer than normal. So I haven't done it. But also because of the way I listen to them, I don't read the writing when I'm listening in the forge. So I've left it out and I'm going to explain and people can always rewind and listen again. Um, what is the frog? You know, we all know, hopefully we all know where it is and what it looks like. And there's a picture of that here. But what is it? <coughs> it's basically a triangular structure found at the rear portion of the foot that basically bonds lots of important structures together. So we're talking about the wall feeds into the front structure. The heels are part of the wall at that point. They, they have a junction into the frog. The sole has a junction into the frog. The bulbs of the heels have a, function, fun, a, a, a junction in with the frog. It attaches that whole rear portion of the foot on the outside. And then inside, which we'll go on to in a moment, but I'll cover briefly, it's pretty much in combination with the digital cushion. So... If we go on to the frog's function first, then we'll go on to the digital cushions function. Okay, next um, slide. Yeah. Next slide. Okay. We we, I'm on the next slide, but yep. I'm not quite sure Just why that was there. Just tell me next slide when you want me to advance. Yeah. What, what, does, what does the frog do? Um, it's part of the grip mechanism. And that's potentially the way or part of the reason that it's, uh, it's evolved to be the shape that it is because it gives grip to the, pro to the rear portion of the foot. It's part of the horse's proprioception. Um, uh, structures, i.e. because it's that bit more softer than the rest of the foot, when the, when the foot lands, potentially not when it's shod, but certainly when it's barefoot and that frog comes into contact with the ground, message is being sent to the ground. Okay, your foot is now touching the ground. But this all happens automatically. The proprioception system, also, it all happens without the horse having to think about it. Just the same as, as when we're walking down the road, we know where the ground is, as long as everything's healthy. Um, it protects the underlying s sensitive structures. Um, so we've had grip, protection, proprioception, um, and it's part of, and this is probably the most important part, it's part of the whole suspension system in the rear foot. The frog and the digital cushion make up, as you would have on a car, the springs and the, um, oh, what are they called? Sometimes I forget words in English. It'll, it's part of the suspension system, which basically allows the horse to do what it does at speed and not break bones, partially. The other thing is, and this goes back to what Genghis Khan said, it acts as a great big, in conjunction with the digital cushion, it acts as a great big blood pump. It helps recirculate the blood, not just back up the leg, but around the foot. One of the things I notice very often is once you've got issues with the frog and it's not working as well as it could be, you will start to get 
a much degraded foot growth, be that in amount of growth and or in the quality that's what's that, that's growing. And I firmly believe once you take the frog out of play, because it's either too far from the ground or it's withering because of medial lateral imbalance or it's being torn through the central sulcus. We'll talk about that in a minute. All of these negative factors on the frog lead to further negative factors. The never, it's never a negative factor leads to a positive factor, unfortunately. And the frog is so important that the whole health of the foot, when the frog becomes compromised, is at risk of being compromised as well. I'd almost go to the point where and say, it's already been compromised the moment the whole foot health is compromised the moment the frog health is compromised. And the frog is excellent at what it does in its natural state. And as a farrier, I'll quite happily sit here and say its natural state, it, it does not include having shoes on it. The minute we put shoes on, whether we like it or not, whether we're going to bury our heads in the sand and pretend that it doesn't happen, any farrier with an ounce of sense will, has to, in my opinion, agree. We take that frog from the ground, we've, we're stopping it doing what it's evolved to be able to do because it's further from the ground. You've lost that proprioceptive ability. You've lost the, not the protection as such, but you've certainly lost some of that natural um, suspension that you would have, as I said, in a car, because it's not in contact with the ground. To find that, the whole weight of the limb is pushing through the digital cushion, through the frog, and it's pushing the frog. If you've got an eight mil shoe on, so the, the whole foot is raised by eight mil, it stands to reason, and you don't need to be a rocket scientist to understand that frog has to be pushed eight mil further down before it comes into contact with the ground and has the reaction force from the ground pushing it back up. And this is why I'm starting, well, I've been saying for a long time, and others have as well, and I think it's now becoming a bit more apparent and um, a bit more talked about that maybe open-heeled shoes aren't the ideal they're doing a job and maybe 20, 30% of those horses we put those on will get by without any issues. But what about the other 30, other sort of 60, 70% where we're constantly seeing failures in the rear portion of the foot? We've got to start to ask ourselves, is this because we're raising the foot off the ground and we're taking that frog out of play? The minute we take the frog out of play, to an extent, we're taking the digital cushion out of play as well. And we know how important those two structures in, together are. So is, are we doing the right thing? And are there other modalities we can use to still give all of the benefits of the shod horse, but also bring the frog and the digital cushion back into play to the point where it's as healthy as a barefoot horse, but you've got all those positive attributes of the shod horse. And we'll go on to that in a little bit. Um, these are just two slides from Christoph von Horst. He does some really, really, really good plastination slides of the work he's doing. And it just shows, I mean, I'm not quite sure why we've got the picture on the left with the arrows in between the heels, but the, the picture on the right surely shows from the rear portion of how big 
that digital cushion is. Um, if we go on to the next slide. Uh, yeah, yeah. I thought that's the one I thought it was. Um, what is the digital cushion? Hang it on, is. Get there. there we go. Okay, we're good. Yeah. So we've covered what the frog is. It's made of horn, sensitive and non-sensitive horn. Everybody kind of hopefully has an understanding of what that is. What's the digital cushion? This is a little bit more difficult because the reality is we don't 100% know exactly. We know what it's made of, but we don't 100% know how it functions. We're guessing very, very educated guesses at what it does because we can use contrast x-rays where we pump in um, fluid that basically shows us where all the vascous and venous structures are and if you look at them on x-rays the digital cushion is surrounded by a massive mesh of veins and capillaries and it's just so vascous around that portion it stands to reason that this squishy almost fatty sponge-like mass between the frog and the rear, rear portion of the foot has got some kind of blood pumping mechanism. It's surrounded by them. So it compresses, all the blood in those capillaries, veins are pushed forward and backwards. And then when it expands, the same thing happens again. When you look at where the circumvex artery is and all the main arteries in the foot, they all have big dealings basically with the digital cushion. So, and we, we, we've, we've, you can cut feet in half and you can press the digital cushion and it will naturally string, spring back. So we know with 85% surety kind of what it's doing. But because of the way the structure is built and itself doesn't have many, um, it's not very vascular itself. Inside, it doesn't have that much blood. Um, and we know that um, nail injuries to the digital cushion really don't heal very well, partly because there's, there's not much blood goes to it. They're, they're very prone. If you do get a nail in the back of that portion, the back portion of that foot into the digital cushion, a lot of the time they don't heal very well because they're susceptible to infection. And it's, again, you need, you need fresh blood and nutrients to get to a wound to, to fight the infection. If you can't get that there because you don't have the structures to deliver that fresh blood and nutrients, it, it, it doesn't heal very well. And that's one of the downsides of the digital cushion. Um, but as we can see on these two pictures, certainly the one on the left, another one from Christoph von Horst, um, you can see it's surrounded at the sides, at the bottom and at the top by massive vascular structures. Vascular meaning delivery and, and removal of blood. Because blood's important, that carries the nutrients, especially in the horn, for the, for the foot to grow. Without that blood, with all the nutrients in it, the foot will slow down in its growth cycle and its quality. And it doesn't matter if it's a shod horse or a barefoot horse, we need that foot to grow because eventually what's growing is being worn away. And eventually, once it's all worn away and it doesn't have any protection on it, we have to step in and help. It's easy to do that on a, on a healthy foot. And a lot of the time, it's like the cat chasing its tail because you, 
you're trying to fix one problem, but you're creating another one. And this goes back again to what I was saying about the opened heel shoe. Is it the ideal? Personally, I don't think it is. Um, the picture on the right, and this is from Lindsay at um, Horse's Hoof. And it's another one that's just taken, it's the foot taken through the middle, but from the side. And you can see pretty much the digital cushion on the right-hand side. You can see how it follows the whole path or almost the whole of the frog. The frog is basically the black structure underneath it. And if you push on the frog, you're pushing on the digital cushion and you're creating an expansion and contraction and that's pumping blood. Every step the horse takes in a healthy frog on a healthy foot, you're creating blood circulation. That blood circulation is delivering nutrients, as I said before, to the foot. Remove that out of the picture and you just, you really are stepping off the edge of a cliff to potential problems. Um, I've gone to the next slide. One of the biggest things that um, the thrush has to deal with is the environment it lives in. A lot of the environments we provide for horses sometimes aren't conducive to a healthy frog. We put a horse in the stables 24 hours a day. It's urinating and defecating in that stable environment. It's then standing in it. It's then also standing in it with a mix of some of the chemical compounds you find in shavings or straw or, you know, all these newspaper, all these different bedding types that we use mixed with urine and feces can really make a nasty environment for the foot to be in. And the frog suffers. The picture we can see here, we've all come, probably come across the term, it's thrush. What's thrush is an anaerobic bacterial disease of the frog so basically anaerobic is is anything that um loves to live in an area that's low or zero oxygen if you imagine the foot is stood in liquid of some sort urine feces mixed with whatever the betting is you're going to have a low oxygenated area and that's why in some cases the frog suffers but in my personal opinion, you've got two types of thrush. You've got the thrush here that sort of affects, and this isn't the best picture because here re in reality, you've got two types of thrush going on. You've got thrush of the lateral and medial grooves and the rest of the frog itself, but you've also got it going into the central sulcus. And you can see that by the big split up the back. Yes. Personally, that's caused in 95% of cases by a mediolateral imbalance. And it's the frog being torn apart. Every horse that, every step that horse takes, that frog's being torn and being torn and being torn. And eventually it will tear so badly that you can literally fit, stick your finger up. I don't know if I'm on um, screen yep. anywhere, but you can stick your finger in. And I did this on Saturday to my knuckle. And if you can do that, you're into the digital cushion as well. Um, if you then look, you know, if, if we go back to or just one slide on the left-hand side, if you imagine a line through that scent, if we just go back, that's the one, the picture on the left, if you imagine that whole rear portion has got a split an inch, inch and a half deep, yeah. you, you, you're into sensitive structures, you're into the digital cushion. So not only is your frog compromised, 
the digital cushion's compromised. Lindsay from the Horse's Hoof has some fantastic photos of where she's taken these um, cadaver legs apart. She's cut them this way and that way. And you can see how far that central sulcus split goes into the digital cushion. But I think the cause, as I said, for about 90, 90-95% of them is mediolateral imbalance. It's torn apart. It then allows the bacteria that is found in the environment, stables, urine, feces, sometimes out in the paddocks, you've got the wrongest pH levels that will also contribute. That comes as a secondary factor once it's torn through the shearing forces that are happening when the foot lands and it's not balanced. The, the, the initial normal thrush, for want of a better word, um, it is down to this anaerobic, it is an anaerobic disease. It's found in an oxygen less area. But the funny thing is, I've had clients, I, I'd eat my, my lunch off the stable floor. Some of these horses just have thrush. I think then it's down to diet. Um, if you're creating an unhealthy pH level, urine and feces, it kind of stands to reason that it's potentially not healthy inside the horse's gut and certain structures will start to break down. Um, and I think that's happening. That's what's basically happening with normal thrush if the environment is clean. But I would hazard to say clean to us, it looks nice and fluffy and there's no wet areas, doesn't necessarily mean it's chemically clean to that particular foot. I've had these incidents where owners have changed from straw to shavings and the feet get worse. The box is cleaner, but then you send you, there's got to be a reason. So I've asked clients to send some of the shavings away for pH testing and it comes back as highly, highly acidic. Well, that there's your answer. It's the acids in the wood, in the shavings that, that's causing a breakdown of that horny tissue. And once it's into those sensitive structures, it just goes wild. Um, vice versa, sometimes some straw types will also have a nasty chemical imbalance when you add urine to that. And that's enough to profligate this whole thrush. There's no, re there's no easy answer with thrush, but I certainly do believe, and I'll go back to this number again, 90 to 95% of deep central sulcus thrush is the cause is mediolateral imbalance. And the thrush itself is a secondary cause because those sensitive structures have been torn open. There's bacteria wherever you find horses. Um, and that bacteria gets into that central sulcus because you see really, really healthy frogs, the lateral and medial cleft, absolutely healthy, strong. But that central sulcus is torn all the way deep down into the digital cushion and the infection's in there and it's difficult to get out with any of these sort of frog cleaning aids on the market if you don't address the initial problem and that is the medialateral balance. Fix the medialateral balance. Here in Virginia, it is now raining again. It literally, we're having grass that's like springtime grass, only it's crab yeah. grass, really high in sugars, and it's yeah. wet. And so, you know, 
like in, uh, in the environmental conditions, even if you have a healthy foot and you've got everything balanced, do the environmental conditions still oh. affect whether or not you're going to have thrush? Wendy? Yeah, I'm just asking the question. Oh, I seem to have lost Wendy. Are you there? I am. Dennis. Okay, you disappeared for a second. Oh, I'm here. Hang on. Let me unshare so that you see that I am here. I'm here. <laughs> no, I can just see my. That's even more frightening. I could see myself in one tiny corner now. I've got oh, wait, two wait, pictures. I'll have you on spotlight. Cancel. I had all mirrors there. removed from my How's house, that? you know. Can you see me now? Perfect. Yeah. So when I, what my question is, you know, I'm sitting in my car in Virginia and it is pouring down rain again and we just got the hurricane that came through. So we literally yep. have grass that looks like springtime, only it's crabgrass, super high in sugar, super short, yep. you know, and it's wet. And there's a lot of places that it's just mud. How do we manage these horses that are barefoot out in these environmental conditions? And humid, add humidity. <laughs> yeah. Um. Just make sure the media laterally not compromised. Okay. Some horses, whether we like it or not, are going to have... The, what I, one of the things I should have mentioned is the frog, once or twice a year, will shed itself. Right. When that's happening, the dirt and crud does get under because it tends to start to peel off from the, the apex of the frog backwards. So that all that, excuse my French, crap will get under there and it will start to get a bit gunky and smelly. But normally what happens is once it's actually properly exfoliated, what you're left with underneath is a healthy frog. Okay. Um, potentially sharp, sharp, flinty stones that maybe damage the frog and let the bacteria get in are potentially a cause. Uh, fact is, we just don't know. There's nobody has an absolutely clear cut definition of or, or idea of what causes thrush we know it's it it lives and loves an oxygen less environment but what actually causes it we don't know everything is best guesses but in the horses i see and this this is why i say 90 95 the horses i see that have a deep central sulcus opening that's got an infection in it so we call it thrush it's the, it's the same bacterial infection they're all mediolaterally compromised. And it, it makes sense that when that foot is loading incorrectly, there's going to be tearing going, going on somewhere. And so, it, that's what so, tears it. That's what allows the... the but in a, so in a normal, healthy foot... Like, if, the, if the center sulcus is good, right, and there's some thrush in the lateral sulcuses or, you know, then that... I mean, is that less concerning than if... Yeah, like, for me, yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's just, how can I put this and remain or maintain a modicum of diplomacy? It is a little story for you. And I've had this so many times over the last 30 years. You'll, thrush busters, one of the ones I used for years, they've changed the recipe so it's not as good. But you'll give the client a bottle of thrush buster and you'll say to them, you, you have to clean the feet out three times a day and apply a little bit of thrush buster. Six weeks go by, you go back. And you say to the client, mm, you pick the feet up. Sometimes you can even smell it before you even pick the feet up. The, the fush hasn't, it's still there, it's still present. But oddly, when you pick the feet up, this fush buster dyes the frogs or the area it's being put on a horrible purple colour. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you can see. I was using it Saturday. Or yep. this is actually hoof gold, but it's a similar kind of stuff. And the frog doesn't have that purple dye on it. 
And you ask the client, have you been, have you picking the feet out three times a day? Have you been, yeah, 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 yeah. And from the side, you can see the nose growing longer. I'm not saying this is anybody. I'm just saying this is something I guarantee every farrier comes across. And when you then ask them, okay, well, we've still got, fr you know, thrush present. So you're going to need another, oh, no, no, I don't need any. I've, I've still got half a bowl. This is a horse with thrushing all four feet. And you know through experience yourself that one bottle, if used correctly, the reality is she should have been phoning you after three weeks to say, I need another bottle of that stuff because it's still got thrush. It's not going away. So listen to your farrier and take direction to your farrier would be, or your hoof care expert, it doesn't have to be a farrier, but certainly do as they ask because attacking the problem half-heartedly by not doing what they ask is certainly not going to help. And I do come across that a lot. Um, Switzerland don't actually see that much sense or me medial and lateral cleft thrush. Rarely. Um, everything here, even when it's raining, you don't you, literally, you can scratch six inches under the ground and you're in some places you're onto bedrock. Maybe the, I don't know why, go, go to the north of Scotland, every second horse has got it. But the ground up there is so acidic in okay. some areas and so alkaline in others. And they're certainly not horses under natural circumstances you would find the horse. The reason the horses are there is because us humans have taken them there. So I would say it's, not, it's more to do with we're putting horses where they just don't bloody belong. And then um, just... Just as an aside, excuse me, um, I came across a product called Artemud, which is a clay base with uh, some things in yeah. it. What I found is if I pack that foot, it actually helps dry. I can dry out that foot. and that's I've, used, I've used it. For some reason, our suppliers just don't seem to have it in Switzerland. It's not something I massively miss. I have used it. Yes, it, it it's brilliant at drying out feet. But again, I think one of the other things it's doing, when you're packing it in there, it's exactly the same as a, and again, it doesn't matter if it's a shod horse or, or more so on shod horses, you're creating an environment where that frog, through the medium of the artemud, is closer to the ground in the shod horse. So suddenly it has to start doing its job a little bit more. So maybe just normal thrush, is also a negative side effect of lifting that foot up mm. by eight millimeters, 10 millimeters, a shoe thickness, and reducing the natural function of the foot. For years and years and years, the, the barefoot guys have been, one of their biggest arguments has been, you, you, you remove the fog out of plate. And for years and years and years, a lot of farriers have been saying it's just not true. Well, I'm sorry, it is. But there is a lot we can do about it. We can sh we can use modalities of shoeing that, in my opinion, create a more healthy environment because not only are you adding protection, there are, there are things on the market now that you can put between frog support pads and the foot that are so sterile I, I put it on central sulcus thrush cases and create an anaerobic environment. But the silver in this pouring that I use 
is such a strong antibacterial, it just does not allow, allow it kills, it stops it dead. Right. You've removed the initial causation, which is the medial action balance. And I'm not joking, you go back six weeks later, it's all healed because you've removed the bacteria out of play and you've removed the initial cause, which is the medial lateral balance. Once you've done that, and you, but you then have to leave them on because it, it's like taking a plaster off a broken arm after half the time the doctor told you to leave it on. It might have healed, but it's certainly nowhere near as strong. And the minute we go back to, okay, we'll take this, with the pads and the silicon off and we'll just let it run on normal open heel shoes, it's just a matter of time before everything degrades again. And these, this same setup that I use for a lot of lame horses, get these lame horses sound. And I think part of what we're doing, we're bringing the frog back into play, it's getting the digital cushion working, that's creating a much healthier foot. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about side bone where you've got ossification of cartilages. It can't regenerate if it's not getting any blood supply. Mm -hmm. Create a healthier blood supply in the whole foot with every step the horse takes. And the foot has a, a really, really good, and we see this Nick that we were talking about before. She rehabs horses barefoot and a lot of farriers will go, it's hocus pocus, it's lies, it's not the real horse. You've changed pictures. It's not. The, the foot is rehabilitating itself because you're improving the blood, blood flow when you take the shoes off. My thing as a farrier is to turn around and say, we can do exactly the same thing, but with shoes. Yeah. And she also talks a lot. We had her back to talk about nutrition. So, so yep. if I can recap so far, if we have a, a situation, you've got to address the mechanical balance of the foot, the lateral medial balance, and also the toe length. You've got to address the mechanics of the foot that are- We haven't touched on toe length yet. No, but yes, that has to be part of the, part of the equation as well, if, it, right. if it's a problem. Right, because um, those sheer forces from the mechanics of the foot are what's going to be damaging the frog. But then we also have to address the environment of the foot and deal with anything that's there, i.e. thrush, and look at the nutrition of the horse, because if we're not having the right nutrition, the hoof can't become healthy. You're still chasing yeah. an unhealthy foot. So it's, it's all, it, and again, all three pillars. But it goes back to... <laughs> this whole horse management. I don't shoe feet, I shoe the whole horse. Uh, there's, there's, um, there's a term doing the rounds at the minute, holistic farrier. Um, it's, not, it's not a label I'd give myself, but if someone was to ask me, do you think you are a holistic farrier? When I look at the definition of a holistic whatever, and then farrier, I'm a holistic farrier, because I'm trying to fix everything by the medium of what I do through the feet. And I can improve gut health by a sounder horse. I can improve how a horse chews by changing for the better how it moves. These are all proven facts. So yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not going to get new business cards made up with holistic farrier on it, but yeah, I'm a holistic farrier. Well, and that, you know, it keeps coming back to the whole point of these webinars is that we have to look at all these different factors and yeah. each factor Whichever one is pulling the system most out of balance is the one you have to address first. And then yeah, and ignore one at your peril because it literally is. You've got to have everything right. Some people just have this natural, and I'm, not, I'm talking more about owners here. Some people just have this natural instinctive 
thing where they just get everything right. And it, it's, it's, it's maybe half instinct, maybe half the way they're educated as kids and brought up with horses. Others just seem to get everything wrong. Unfortunately, that's where we as educators have to try and step in. Um, and there's also, you, you can't ignore the, the, um, the horse itself in terms of the, the strength of the horse's character. Uh, you know, innate system. Some horses are weaker, like weaker flowers, yeah. and others are more robust. And, men and mentally as well. Right. You know, the, the last horse that me and my pal did on Saturday was so stoic. If it hadn't been, it would have probably been on the menu in a few of the restaurants in Bern already because, but for this horse's, I want to keep going. And it, it was screwed on all four feet. We've managed to get it going about 60% better. And over the next four or five shoeing periods, hopefully we'll get it back to wh where it once was. But this was just medial lateral balance, long toes. And the whole foot had decided not to function anymore. Central, central sulcuses were torn open on all four feet. Um, and the owner was like, look, if you guys can't fix it, I don't know what to do. And normally when they say, I don't know what to do, it means in the back of the head, they're already thinking about ringing the butcher. Um, but I, I hope with this guy, this girl, 16 year old horse, it's now back on the upward slope to general whole health. Um, she was coming down with colics when she was lame. She'd, she'd go lame for a couple of days. She'd have a bit of a colic. And it, then, you know, when a horse is constantly colicking, it's gut health's not very well. She's got everything else in place. She's got, an, you know, the diet's being looked at. It's Martina's constantly going to see it to readjust muscles and everything. But it was just the way everything's been. Saturday was the first day we could get there because I've had my injury and everything. I'd have loved to have been there two weeks ago because the horse would have been two weeks happier. But it's on the way. And this, this is all just down to, unfortunately, um, less than less than great farrier practices. And in, I think in some instances, not just this horse, less than great understanding of the biology and the physiology of the rear portion of the foot. We ignore it because as farriers, we don't do that much to it. We fit the shoe to the heels and that's it. We walk away, we think we've done a great job. We've done a great job of creating protection and grip but have we always done the best we could for that rear portion of the foot that we now that we know? And Genghis Khan knew a thousand years ago is so 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 important. Um, oh, hopefully, so we're starting to move in that direction. Show. Yeah. Okay. Let me screen So we can zip through flush. We can zip through this one again. The, the, the next one. The next. That's it. Right. That shows central sulcus flush. The next one is an even better one. You can see how that... Just to point out, we're talking about this, this uh, tear here in the central sulcus and how that whole yeah. frog's going to involute and make a nice environment for anaerobic bacteria. And the next one is, you know, this is a desert horse. Wow. You don't get much drier than these feet. So you would think to yourself, well, it's a nice dry environment. It's going to be oxygen rich. But wow, look at that. The rest of the frog... It's a healthy frog. It's blooming. But that central sulcus is thrown. It's, it's torn asunder. And when I look at the foot, um, I'm not going to go into the whys and wherefores, but I can tell you just by looking at that foot that that's medial laterally compromised. Right. 
Um, next slide. This is another good one as well. You know, we can see big gap opening in that central sulcus. And this is the one, these are the type that I'm talking about. When you stick your finger up there, they disappear. To, your, your finger disappears to its knuckle. But you can see, where's the frog? Oops. If we go back, well, where's the frog on this one? It's not touching the ground. There, there's a hollow, you know, you, you could actually get a green tree frog to go in there and hide. There's that much area. There's no way, even once the foot expands on landing, that that frog is going to have any contact with the ground. It's my job to reinstill that mechanical property that the, sh the frog should be doing and get it working again. Um, and that, that's a classic. That I see that so often. The frog has withered away to nothing to the point where it's, it's not just not doing its job anymore. You've got a battle ahead of you to get it back to do its job. They do come, takes time. And unfortunately, this type of shoeing is more expensive than normal, you know, four bog, bog standard shoes because the only way you can do it is with pads. And in my personal opinion, this silver ion pour in that you pour in the back. But eventually you will see frog health becoming better to the point where eventually everything's doing its job again. That central sulcus will close. It becomes healthy. But then the question is, do you go back to open-heeled shoes without the pads and the silicon? Personally, no. You've, the horse has already showed to you it's of a type that will become compromised. Go back, Barefoot is, in some cases... And I still hold this barefoot is better than badly shod. And I guess that's where a lot of the, I'll call them more radical barefooters have gained their gained traction because in a lot of, in a lot of cases you can take these shoes off, still do a subpar trim, but the feet will get healthier because they're actually, firstly, they're allowed, you've removed the protective element so the feet, the horses can actually trim themselves back into a level that they want to be. Um, and the frog is closer to the ground and it's starting to work again. The frog, through the contact with the digital cushion, creates a healthier environment in the rear portion of the foot that has a massive impact on the health of the whole of the foot because you're getting blood to where you need it. Um, and I think what I think we need to revisit this open-heeled debate maybe on the next webinar, but it's certainly something to start people, if there are any farriers listening or there are any barefooters listening or their owners who are sort of, I, I see what he's saying and it makes sense. We've got to start thinking about it. And it's not until we start to be honest and open and discuss it and not just throwing the idea out the window because it's not your idea or, you know, it can't, you know, we've been shoeing horses for 2000 years. It's got to be good. Well, no, for 2000 years, we could have been doing something that has a negative impact. Why can't we have this discussion? Cause at the moment we were starting to make a headway, but there's still a lot of, uh, there's, st there's still, there's qu still quite a few people out there that, they're not prepared to have the discussion yet. And so it's these people that we have to draw in and get the discussion going with.
I, I couldn't so agree we'll more, Dennis. I think that the, you know, there there is a way and a place for us to have an objective discussion that and look at it from a, um, a critical perspective, not a criticism, but a critical perspective yeah. where we discuss things. And that's um, maybe someday I'll have a webinar where we have several different people and we have discussion because I think that that's so important to be able to air our views and our perspectives and share information. And it doesn't mean you have to agree. It just means that we yeah. can share viewpoints and have discussion. Some of the best discussions I've ever been involved in are the round tables at the Hoof Care Summit. You've got 40 farriers in a room. You have a referee because somebody has to lead the debate. The topic's thrown in the middle and it's discussed. So the referee will kick it off and then sometimes politely, sometimes not so politely. Remember, this is, far, you know, we are a rough, tough... <laughs> Cussing lot. Opinionated. Um, yeah, sometimes it does get a bit heated, and that's then the referees. I've been a referee on these things where they've had we've had to have two or three referees because the topic was such a hot one, um, and you have to calm everybody down. But the, the information that gets sometimes sucked out of people, right? It's massive, um, and everybody. I don't think I've known anybody come out of a um, a round table session at the summit. And if you ask them, have you learned anything? There's not anybody come out of that room that will say no. And those that do, I'm sorry, my opinion is you're so narrow-minded that you, were, you wasted your time walking up the stairs to get there in the first place. They were there because there was nothing else on. Um, All right. This picture, if you go on to the next picture. Yep. Another one, you know, quite a healthy frog. Nice shape. Fat, bulbous, I would suspect, looking at this one, the fact that it's shod and the, the, the frog is, it has got contact with the ground. But you have to, yourself, have to, have to ask yourself, is that because the whole digital cushion and the frog has prolapsed? Which is another thing we'll discuss when we get on to the next, this open-heeled shoe. Has the whole thing prolapsed? And that's why the frog is closer to the ground, which isn't healthy. Um, I guess that's the case here, but again, you can clearly see that massive split, and that's another one. You, you can you can stick your fingers up there, or certainly up to the first or second knuckle. Um, move on to the next one. Ah, right, you've got the videos for these. Oh yes. Um, hang on, I'm going to unshare my screen. Go find them so you can talk to everybody while I'm like doing that. <laughs> Think of questions, people. Once we're finished, you've got 20, 25 minutes. Um, and it can be on anything hoof care related. If you've got you know, a personal horse with an issue, I will try my damnedest to and give you an answer. And if I don't know the answer... Okay, there's one. Martina's outside. So we've got outside, we've got two, me and another farrier and a vet. So this is the perfect time for you guys to... <laughs> they don't know anything about this yet. I'm going to go outside and surprise them on the balcony. Okay, I think I have the right. Nice like Let me share it, and um, we'll see if this works. And if not, I'll go look for the other one. Uh, is this the one we're talking about? Yeah, but this is this is the wrong video. Stop! 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 stop. Oh, I did stop. Okay, stop share. Sent okay. you another one yes. of the horse before I. This is a video Martina had took, and it shows quite clearly how 
Lash immediately compromised this guy was behind. Oh, and it shows how okay, he was that, landing. Okay, we yeah. need the before video, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay, hang on. It's just got to get there. Yeah. And this is a good, this is a, this really does show mediolateral imbalance. You've got this open central sulcus. It's been torn open. The next video shows how degraded the whole structures in the rear portion of the foot are. Um, and then we'll go on to. Is this the right one? Uh, I'm going round and round and round. I think it's coming. Oh, yeah. Just like Christmas. Can you see that? This is the one where the foot moves like crazy and makes you nauseous. Did you see that? Uh, I took it. Yeah, but did you see the video? What, do I have to do that? I'll do the screen. No, I just saw a little thing whirring round and round and round and round. And oh. it said video is coming, but it didn't. Yeah, another other pic. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. This is the first one. No, wait, wait, not stop, no. stop, <laughs> go back. Okay, go hang back, on. Back, 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 back. Wall party. <laughs> stop share. I just gotta figure out why share screen. Why that one? Do, do, do. Take a question. Somebody fire a question at me. Come on. There is. It's in I'll the chat. Go look at the chat. First person to ask the question, I'll send you some. I shoe my horses in the summer and they're barefoot in the winter. Can problems tend to be to fix themselves? Yes. And I think, you know, when I go back to being as a kid, we were actually the other way around. We hunted in the winter, so they were shot. They got the summer off. And most of the problems that they sort of started to get at the end of the hunting season. Once we took those shoes off and turfed them out and we were cheap, we didn't really get the farrier in. We just let them grow a little bit longer. We had areas where it was harder ground so they'd break up. But those, those foot-related problems seemed to sort themselves out. Now the modern thing is, you know, there's so many around indoor schools that horses don't get any damn time off. And not just for the foot health. Um, I work with a, yard, a couple of yards that they take in sour horses, horses that have been pushed too hard, too fast, and just give them a bit of time off and get them back in. And the change is sometimes phenomenal, but one of the things it involves is time off. And they always take the shoes off. I think, when I think about it, I'd say 85% of my clients are shod all year round, all four shoes. Is it the best? No. Unfortunately, the, the surfaces that these riders ride on in Switzerland, you can't do anything about it. The, 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 even the paths and tracks here are crushed granite. And it's just too damn aggressive to not be shod. Boots come with their own problems. Um, I've yet to find a decent pair of boots that do not create a negative palmer angle because you lengthen oh. in the toe every time. Oh. Just by the just by the way the mechanics of boots work and fit, you lengthen the toe. Um, by lengthening the toe, you're creating a negative palmer or plantar angle. That in itself can't be healthy. The problem, if that was in the field 22 hours a day, where um, you know horses just slowly walking around and eating, it's not ideal. But you're not putting massive stresses on the horse. But we're putting these boots on, and then 
giving it yee-haw through the forest or over show jumping tracks or whatever. So the hardest work that horse has to do each day is with these boots on where you've lengthened the toe. By lengthening the toe, you're pretty much creating either a negative palmer or plantar angle or the same stresses. We only have to go back to Dr. Renata Weller's work where she basically said one centimeter of extra toe is the equivalent of 50 kilometers pull on the deep digit. 50 kilometers? No. 50 kilograms of pull on the deep digital flexor tendon. Say that again. Just, just repeat that, Dennis, okay? One centimeter, so um, half an inch, give or take, of t extra toe length is equivalent to 50 kilograms of pull on the deep digital flexor tendon standing still. Add to that the weight and movement, you're applying a lot of forces to the deep digital flexor tendon that don't need to be there. I have spent a bit of time looking into various different types of boots. Some of them are lengthening the toe by two and a half, three centimeters. So that's 150 kilometers of extra pull on the deep digital flexor tendon just by standing still and doing nothing. So you, you can kind of think about the forces. We're, and this is the same, not just boots. It's horses that we're, they're getting shot every 12, 14 weeks that have got long toes. It's horses that have been shot incorrectly and have got long toes and low heels. But every centimeter of extra toe is the equivalent of 50 kilograms of pull on the deep digital standing still. And I can't stress that enough, standing still. So the second the horse moves, that 50 kilometer gets multiplied. And I, ha I do have the list somewhere. I will promise I will dig it out for the next time and just reiterate. At walk, it's times by a factor of however many. At trot, it goes up. At canter, it goes up. And at gallop, it goes up again. Yeah, we're talking, talking to... dynamics. I mean, you have static physics and then you have dynamics. And the yeah. minute you take that system and put it into movement, the math gets crazy and yeah. the numbers just go nuts. And so, yeah. um, you know, it's that's the thing is when you're looking at just that much change from a static environment and then you put it into yeah. movement on all four feet, you have to realize on yeah. all four feet. Um, yeah. We do have a couple of well, questions before I get to we, that. We tend, we, I don't know about the rest of the world. Uh, I can talk about those countries I've worked in. Most of those that I see, they boot up in front. Um, you know, the feet are carrying less, the, the hind feet are carrying less weight, so they're less prone right. so two to the same problems the front ones are. Right. Um, it's still going to affect the mechanics in the back end when you have that longer toe in the front. It, it, well, it, corrects the it, it affects the whole horse. You know, right. um, we see iliosacral problems in the lumbar region of the back caused by bad shoeing in the front feet. So yeah, of course, you know, if your front feet hurt, you're going to try and get as much weight on the back feet. Or if you're delaying them the, because you have a longer toe, the break over of the boot. <coughs> yeah. That would be a, whole, know, other, all, a whole other webinar, Dennis. We're going to have and to- it's a whole, but, it, but it does go back to whole horse. Right, right. It doesn't but matter I if think... you're a vet or a farrier or- Right, we'll need to talk about boots as a separate webinar. Because I've, I've got a couple other questions for you here. I have, um, let's Are see. we on to questions now? I got some questions, but then we're going to go back to that video, okay? So how okay. do you feel about conditional creams and products topical for drier cracking hooves? 
Okay, uh, that's it all. <laughs> no. I've had clients massaging toothpaste into the coronary band and seen an increase in the foot health. The cheapest toothpaste they can get their hands on. Toothpaste does have a mildly... Um, what's the word? Again, English words are failing me. I speak German too much. Abrasive? It's got a little bit of a... You're not abrasive so much, but it, 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 you rub it into your hands. Your hand will get warm. And it's getting warm partly by the massage, but also partly by what's in the toothpaste. So oh. that is a... Uh, oh, okay, I, I get it. So there's actually a warming element to the toothpaste. Yes. It's stimulating the growth. Well, what you're doing by the massage is stimulating blood flow. Okay. So you're stimulating blood flow to the coronary band. Warmth is doing that. And if you do it enough, it will affect on a positive level foot growth. Um, as for cracks and dry environment, water. Because these cracks tend to, they, they come in summer, it gets drier and drier, the cracks get longer and deeper. As soon as it starts to rain, within three, four weeks, most of these cracks go away. So, and it's, it's the water falling out of the sky. That wet stuff that we've had a whole weekend of and you've had a whole weekend of. It's that water that creates the moisture and moist, more moist environment and the, the feet take on the moisture and most of them go away. And we're talking about, you know, I can't talk about individual, individual cases because I need them in front of me to see exactly what's going on. Oh, but dry feet that are starting to get cracks on the outside, just, stand, just take 20 minutes out your day two, three times a day if you've got time to do it and squirt a hose pipe at the feet. And you'll see a great improvement in, in the foot health. Um, if it's too dry, make it wet. If it's too wet, try and make it dry. Yeah. I'm bringing my horses in just to get their feet to dry out. It's so wet. Yep. It's just crazy. I mean, I walked around my field yesterday and at, at uh, nine o'clock in the morning and I was soaking wet. <laughs> it's just soaking yeah. We, okay, we've, we, question. Um, we've basically just, we've got tail end of your yes. hurricanes over Europe now, so. Yep, okay, another question. Barefoot horse ridden on ground that has yep. pushed rock, which, which in a dry spell gets hard, can this lead to increasingly tender feet? Yes. Okay. Next question. Uh, let me go back over here. Um, hi, Aiken would be willing to comment on horses' hooves if I sent you, oh, someone's asking, can they send you pictures that you would comment upon? In other words, can they do contact? They can, get in, they can get in contact with me and I will give them a full list of the pictures and videos that I need before I will make a comment. Pictures alone, not really. Because what okay. I can't do from pictures is see how the horse is moving. But if you send, you know, I, I have a, when, when prospective clients text me, I ask them for this, 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 and this, and this. If they send me this, 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 and this, I, already, I have a very good idea of what's going on before I even get there. Um, I can be contacted on um, Facebook's probably the easiest way. Yep, Dennis Verdon. Yep. Yeah, um, there is only. Is asking about, because we got to get back to the videos, okay? So, and I'm watching my battery because <laughs> I'm in my car. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> okay. So the question is suggestion on best hoof, hoof 
supplements, but I would caveat that with go watch Nick Barker's recent webinar on nutrition, because if you're trying to make a better hoof, you got to make a better horse. Absolutely. If I was to say one or the other, I'd be wrong. Because part of the problem is as well, each horse is individual. What I would say is if you think you've got a mineral imbalance that's creating poor feet, poor feet, just get a broad spec, get the vet in, take bloods, send it away for broad spectrum analysis. There may be something that comes back where there's this big, great, big red light going ding, 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 fix this. Um, personally, don't really believe in them. Okay. Next um, question. Um, foot health does come from the inside. Right. So the nutrition course is so important to create good hoof health. And it's, it has to be, it's so finite that a lot of these powders, they will help seven out of 10 horses, but they're not cheap. And then you tell the client that's one of these three out of 10 that it's not going to help to go and spend these $200 on this bucket of food. First thing that potentially happens, and I've seen it time and time again, is the horse sticks its neck. I don't, I'm not eating that. <laughs> so that, that you turn, you may as well throw it straight in the dustbin or they do eat it and there's no change. There's so many other reasons than a mineral imbalance, ulcers, gut imbalance, bacteria in the gut is just not right. You know, so many other things that will contribute to bad feet before a mineral imbalance. And if you are feeding your horse a balanced diet, and there's spreadsheets all over the internet that tell you roughly what that balanced diet should have in it, it's more a problem with that individual horse itself. And this goes back to whole horse mentality or holisticness. That's probably where you should be looking and not necessarily trying to I wouldn't say shortcut yourself or the horse, but it, it is potentially an easy fix. But in my experience, one, two out of 10, it works with. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't spend my money and I don't sell it anymore. Don't, I, I, I used to stock it. I used to have always three or four buckets of various different products over the years in the van. I just don't sell it anymore because it's not really my job. I'm not a nutritionist and I'm not a vet. And to fix this problem, you've got to find out exactly what it is before you can fix it. Well, and what Nick, so, Nick was talking about is that you've got to you've got to analyze your your feedstock. You've got to look at your hay and your yeah. pasture to figure out what you're deficient in because every environment's different. Like my horse, we did blood. We were looking at him and we pulled blood, and he's deficient in selenium, so he's on a selenium supplement. Whereas too much. Hence why, yeah, selenium's a big one, and a lot of these um, hoof potions that you feed in will have a given amount of selenium in them. But in a lot of cases, it's nowhere near enough. Right. Magnesium will be the same. You know, there are, there are a lot of trace elements that go towards, and it's probably one of them. And that's why I said, first thing you have to do, I would do, or I suggest to my clients, get the vet in, blood spectrum bloods, see what the results of that are. Because eight times out of 10, there will be something the vet goes, don't like that. Can yep. we do anything about it? Yeah, we can feed it. Feed it. Three months later, you got different feet. You, right. see, you start to see the quality getting better. And it even tightens up and gets better down at ground level. And that's old horn. That grew six, seven months ago. Right. 
Okay, next question. At the first sign of unmistakable thrush odor, we spray the bottom of the hoof with apple cider vinegar. We do this for a minimum of one week. If the outdoor conditions are wet, we do it longer. In our experience, does the trick, if used at the first sign of thrush, never for a serious case? Do you think the nature of a, uh, apple cider vinegar is beneficial or just drying out the foot? I think any vinegar, it's, it's, it's definitely drying out the foot. I'm not, um, as I said, I'm not a nutritionist and I'm not, um, I, I like so, cider. I, you know, I mean, apple cider vinegar is touted as a cure-all for a lot of things. And it, if it's working, I would say, great. <laughs> but is it, and this goes back to my sort of little, what I said before, some clients, you can tell them they've got to pick the feet out three times a day and put this purple stuff in and they do it. And it's the actual picking of the feet out three times a day that has more benefit than putting the stuff in. Mm. So you have to then ask yourself, if, if, oh God, I've got thrush. So I'm going, for, I've, got, I've got to do this three times a day because I've read it on the internet. It's picking the feet out three times a day. Prob it's probably having a bigger benefit than actually squirting anything on it. I'm not saying cider, apple cider vinegar doesn't have a positive effect because I know it dries out because I've squirted it onto my hands. Um, but in some cases, it, you're blind to what you're not doing. And then because somebody tells you to do X, Y, and Z and it's a bit special, it's, it's what you do before you do the special thing that's okay. actually having the bigger impact. And that's picking out the feet. Okay. Or dragging them in from the wet field because you can see and smell the flush and giving the feet chance to dry out. But I would also go back to my personal belief. Is the foot 100% healthy in every other way? Mediolateral balance, toe length. Because that is one of the biggest contract, uh, con contributing factors as to an unhealthy frog. Okay, we're um, going go to go to the stop. videos. Yep. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> Okay, I think this is it. Now, if I can just get it to play. <laughs> it's not doing it. Anyway, just let's play this video. This is a little Arab horse, endurance horse. It had been barefoot for many, many, many months. It was being trimmed by a barefoot trimmer. And do you want to play it again? Yep. And you can actually see how much the frog, or how much the whole foot will flex. And that is because that I could almost fit my whole finger in there and I've got quite big hands and I'm talking about this finger here up to here that's how much was going down that central cleft the second video anymore, hardly huh? any at all. six six weeks later having been shod closed here at the back mediolaterally balanced but that, that you know that middle bit there that's normal this should be a dip mm -hmm. okay good so you just want to play it again Wendy yep. because I was talking over it what a difference six yeah, weeks makes. Anymore, Hardly huh? any at all. That's brilliant. And it's closed here at the back. Mm -hmm. Just a tiny little. But that, that, you know, that middle bit there, that's normal. This should be a dip. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good. And that was accomplished by just getting the horse back into medial lateral balance. The reason I shot it is because because the only way I could get it mediolaterally balanced was by taking down the inside portion of the foot, normal than, nor, more than would have been safe if I wasn't putting shoes on it. Um, 
the horse the horse was lame before it was sound immediately after shoeing within six weeks you've seen the results 12 weeks later that whole central sulcus was closed um and he's he's not had an issue and it that was what i what I didn't mention that was on all four feet um and he was lame on all four feet to the point where it was actually difficult to ascertain how lame he was until you blocked one or two feet out. And then you could see how lame he was on the others. Um, purely and simply. And that is what medial lateral imbalance will do. It creates this situation where the central cleft, central sulcus is just torn open. Bacteria gets in there. And then you've got a, a two-way battle. Get your medial lateral balance back. The, the central sulcus will close itself. And this, that was, that was bacteria in there. You know, you stick your fingers in there, it stinks. It stunk of thrush. But we decided not to treat it with anything. We didn't. Six, it was sound straight away. So we weren't treating, we weren't pouring things in there to keep it clean, to keep it sound, because it was already sound. And six weeks later, it was closed. The foot has a marvellous ability to rehabilitate itself if we create the, the right environment for it to do it. The same horse is now running around in frog support pads with the silver ion pouring because it's now back competing and it hasn't had a lame step um, because we've got that frog working again through the medium of the frog support pad, the pouring, the frog, the digital cushion, everything's back in harmony. I, for my... For my Swiss customers, I call it the harmonic, it, it's the, the harmony shoeing. Um, and I offer that to everybody. Uh, tends to be a lot of the, the higher end, you know, I now shoe a lot of national team horses in various different disciplines. Um, and it tends to be them that take it. Um, these, some of these horses are worth ridiculous amounts of money. But once you explain, I wouldn't necessarily call it science, but my theory behind why I'm trying to do what I'm doing they allow you to do it. Some of the answers you get back literally after six weeks are like, Dennis, we don't know what these pads are doing. We don't know what the silicon's doing, but by God, this horse is a different horse and it wants to move forward. And that doesn't matter if it's show jumping, eventing, um, endurance. And that's pretty much my field as far as the national team horses are concerned. And they're all shod like that, all four feet. And I've been doing it pretty much since I've been in Switzerland and I've been doing it for years. I've been, like I said, I've been going on about these open heeled shoes, not potentially being the best for about 10, 12 years. Um, so we have, I have one more question. Um, what do you think about hoof armor? The product? I haven't used it. Um, you know, there's so many products out there. If, if I tried to, I'd have, a, and, and all of these products come with a different pistol and different mixing tips. I've probably got in my forge six or seven different pistols and bags and bags of different mix, mixing tips because all these companies give you a different pistol, different mixing tips. And I, you know, I get to the point where I find a product that works and I stick to it. I don't, I've, I've three horses that are barefoot in my whole client list. Um, and 50% of my horses in my client list are shod all round with pads and this silver ion pouring and shoes. 
So I'm mimicking the natural foot whilst giving the same protection and ground force, ground force reaction and everything else the positive shoes can give us. But I'm engaging the frog, I'm engaging the digital cushion, and the, foot's, the feet become more healthy. Um, and uh, yeah, it works. Yep. So, I've got no reason so to lie to anybody. We're going to take this as the last question, Dennis. Um, could you please explain healthy mediolateral balance? Well, in, in essence, the foot landing flat. No, so, as, as I said in the, in the last video a few weeks, months ago, video your horse in slow motion from the front in walk, from the back in walk, watch the video and focus in on the feet. And you will see if your horse is landing flat. If it isn't, show the video to your farrier, discuss it, see what they say. I can't tell you what to do off the back of that conversation, but um, people have to make their own mind up. That is, that is going to be the biggest test. You, uh, as a horse owner, can, can see, is it medialaterally balanced? Is it medialaterally challenged? Um, In other words, if it's landing really heavy on one side of its foot, it's going to be having shear forces that are tearing that yeah. foot. Just because, but one caveat to what I've just said, just because it's landing heavily on the lateral side of its foot does not mean to say that the lateral side of the foot is long. What, some t what often happens, it's long on the inside, the inside, let's do it that way, the inside gets compressed up, starts to hurt. And through the proprioceptive abilities of the horse, it knows when it lands on that inside, it ouches. So I'm going to start landing on the outside. A good farrier will see it and know how to fix it. A bad farrier will look at you as if to say, what do you want me to do about it? They've probably caused, potentially caused it in the first place. Um, it's a big subject of mine and I get taken to task by colleagues because they say, well, you know, you, you keep quoting 80% of the horses you see. Does that mean 80% of the horses in Switzerland are mediolaterally compromised? I don't know. I haven't seen all the horses in Switzerland, but I'm telling you 80% of the horses that get referred to me are mediolaterally compromised. If, if my colleagues out there don't like that, they have to look at themselves. Sorry. Okay. I'm not really sorry. Well, Dennis, it's, we've blown through almost an hour and a half, not, not quite as long as our last one, which was two and a half hours. Yeah. Um, but we're, you're setting them up because we're going to have another topic next time. Can you tell us what that topic's going to be? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think, I think, yeah. Um, is traditional open heeled shoeing the best we can do for the horse? And I may try and get a colleague from the UK on in this. So we've got two of us, we're very like-minded. Um, so we've got two different countries, experiences. Who's that potential guest? It may be Yogi. Yeah, I was gonna say, cause we've had Yogi on before. So it yeah. would be a really good prep for people to watch Yogi's webinar and your previous webinars before yeah. we set that up. So we might yeah. even, um, so I'll get that on the schedule. I'll get in touch with you and we'll get it on yeah. the schedule. Probably in October. Yep. 
It's going to have to be because we're trying to get, it's just been a manic year with Corona and everything. Know. So we're trying to get away for a couple of weeks, Thank rest you. and recuperation in the sun. Yeah. Um, we're just sort of watching how the numbers are developing. We're, we're trying to head to Greece for a couple of weeks of lying on the beach and doing nothing. At the moment, everything's working in favour and the numbers are staying quite positive and nobody's being put on quarantine lists because we can't afford to go on holiday for two weeks and then come back and have to sit around the house for 10 days because, yeah, we get there's it. too many horses. Yeah. Um, well, and it's gonna, a struggle. We're going to do a Yogi Dennis webinar and I'll be in touch with you about a date. Maybe Yogi Dennis Martino. Let's get a vet in on the... Ah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay. So stay tuned, folks, for that will be an amazing date for webinar. Hang on. I just have to make myself notes or it doesn't happen. <laughs> and that one probably will be a two-hour webinar because I think we're going to create a hell of a lot of questions. Yes, I agree with you. Um, yeah. All righty, Dennis. Thank you so much yet again for joining us. For I just had an idea, but we need to catch up on that about when would be a great time to do it because actually coming up, we're all in the same country for a while. Ah, okay. But I'll get in touch with you. Not a problem. Yeah. Thank you everybody for joining us for this, another really fabulous webinar with Dennis. You can find him on Facebook at Dennis Verdon, V-E-R-D-O-N, correct? Yeah. Okay. Double N on the Dennis. Yep. Um, and and you, if you want to do consults with him and tomorrow we're, what am I doing tomorrow? We have a webinar tomorrow on archery. It's going to be really fun. It's, it's actually horse archery. Horse archery. I'll so be watching do with your horse and break it down. And so it's, it's, we're going to show you how to break it down and have two fabulous people that teach people of all ages who have never handled a bow, how to do archery. So stay tuned for that. It's with Annie Parsons and Danielle Mulcahy. Um, and then on Wednesday, we have Linda Tellington Jones. She's my 100th webinar guest. I'm so excited to have her. And then we've got Jillian coming back for the, for the redo, reschedule because of the thunderstorm on Thursday. And then Amy Lissat and I on Friday. So we'll see you all tomorrow. I'm going to have to go because my phone's about to die. Yep. Bye. Thanks, Dennis. Bye, -bye everybody. Bye, -bye everybody.